Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. This week, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 16. We're going to look, be looking at, at a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 16 this morning. Um, today, I want to talk to you about a time in our lives, a place in our lives that every single one of us is intimately and significantly familiar with. A place that is so common that I would wager to say that in some respects, in one way or another, Today, many of us, if not every single one of us, is in this place in one way or another. And yet, even though it's such a familiar place that that if I was to say who here is in this place, the vast majority of hands would go up if not every single one. It's a place we're all familiar with. It's a place that we all live in. It's also probably one of the places that we struggle with the most. In fact, I would wager to say that that this is the place where people's faith is strained and broken. This is the place where the vast majority of people struggle the most in their relationship with God. And it's probably the place where the most people walk away from their relationship with God. Because they don't know how to handle being in this place. But to identify and understand what's happening in Genesis chapter 16 and to provide some context to understand what it means to be in this place, we need to jump to a couple of places in Genesis for a moment just to set proper context for Genesis 16 because it's important for us to understand the journey that's been taken to get to Genesis chapter 16. So we're going to begin just by looking at a couple verses in Genesis chapter 12. Um, In Genesis chapter 12, we see this place where where God chooses this man named Abram. And he makes a a promise to him. He makes a covenant with him. He chooses him out of all the people and he says, you're going to be my person. And in Genesis chapter 12, God makes this promise to Abram. He says to him, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. God essentially goes to to this man, Abram, and he says, I'm going to give you a huge family. And that this family would be a family that would help shape the history of mankind. Now, at the time, what you need to know is, is Abram and his wife, Sarai, they had no kids. So this is a big, this is a big blessing. I'm going to give you a family. And they they had no children. So, oh, God's going to bless, and and he will go on, and we'll see. He's going to promise them a big family, a significant family, a family that's going to shape the history of the world. And he reiterates this promise for Abram 10 years later. So we jump ahead 10 years in the timeline. Genesis chapter 15, God makes this promise. He takes Abram outside outside, and he says, look up at the sky. Count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, we're a ways into this story. And at Genesis chapter 12, Abram and and Sarai, they had no kids. 
But at Genesis chapter 15, 15 years later, they still have no kids. So God makes this promise, look at this guy, that's how many children, that's how many grandkids, great grand, that's what your family's going to look like. The stars in the sky. But they still have no kids. Now, if we jump ahead another 10 years to Genesis chapter 21, we read about the birth of Isaac. Says that Sarah, that's his wife Sarai, her name has been changed to Sarah, and Abram's name has been changed to Abraham. But it says that Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised. Now that, that last little chunk of that verse, at the very time God has promised, that's an important thing to understand because we don't read that part of the promise. God doesn't say it's going to take 25 years. God says I'm going to do this, and it took 25 years and we know that this is exactly what God had in mind it's an incredible story of of faithfulness and faith and trust and belief in God and his promise and what he said he will do and God's promise coming to fruition and so we have the promise that God makes I will make you into a great nation you're going to have this huge family that will shape the course of human history and then we have the birth of Isaac God's ultimate fulfillment of that promise and we love these moments in the story we love these moments in our lives we love the moment when God I believe God spoke to me he gave me a promise for my life he gave me a promise for my family he gave me a promise I read this verse and it spoke to me it spoke to my heart it spoke to my life I believe God was speaking to me through this and we love the moments when we're able to come together and share our testimony to be able to say God spoke this to me and look what happened God spoke this over my life. And look what happened. We love these moments. But there's a place between the promise and fulfillment called in the meantime. And this is the place I want to talk about this morning. This is where Genesis 16 takes place. God has made this promise. He's reiterated his promise. But God hasn't fulfilled his promise yet. See, in Genesis 16, God has made his promise to Abram. And he's reaffirmed it for Abram. But at the same time, it's been 16 years since God made that promise. 16 years is a long time. This past week, Yvonne and I celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. 16 years is a long time. The last 15 have been wonderful, but when you tack the extra one on at the beginning, it feels like forever. But 16 years ago, as a church, we were meeting at St. Francis, and at the time we were known as Waterbrook Community Church. And I had been, staff on, or been on staff at the, at, the, at the church as the youth pastor for about a year and a half. It's probably about the time I was talking to Pastor Corey on the phone, <laughs> contemplating resigning. 16 years is a long time. A long time to be waiting 
a long time to have God say, I'm going to do this in your life. And to have seen nothing happen. There, there, ha there was no kind of fulfillment. There was nothing. There was just God saying, I'm going to do this. And God saying, don't for, I, just so you know, I didn't, forget, I didn't forget I said that. I'm going to do this. And nothing has happened. And in Genesis chapter 16, Abram and his wife Sarai, they really begin to feel the pressure and the weight of the time that has passed in this promise from God. How often do we find ourselves in a place like that? Where we know and we believe what God has promised. And we walk by faith and trust and God and his promises. But yet it's, it's been a while. We've been waiting. And it seems like God's just not doing what he said he would do. And we start to ask questions. How, how long? How long do I have to wait? Maybe, maybe God has forgotten about me. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe God is, is waiting for me to do something. Maybe I need to do something to help God. Maybe I can get the ball rolling and then put God in a position where, where he just simply has to keep it rolling. Maybe I need to do something to force his hand. That, that I need to just step out of the boat and he's either going to catch me or die. Or I'm going to die. Time and waiting takes its toll on us and we, we sometimes feel like we have to start to do something to figure out how God is going to do what he's promised to do in our lives. In Genesis chapter 16, we see this take place in the life of Abraham or Abram and Sarai. Verse 1 tells us, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But they got to thinking. Well, when God promised that he would give us a child, you know, maybe we were taking the understanding of that promise a little too literally. That, that maybe when God said he would give us a child, it didn't mean through us. Maybe there's something else we can do. And, and then the verse goes on and, and they notice that, that Sarai has an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And Sarai goes to, to Abram and says, the Lord has kept me from having children. The, the weight of the promise on her life has begun to shape how she sees God. That, that the waiting, and now she says, God has kept me from having a child. Now, there is some truth to that because we see that 25 or 10, nine years after this, that she has a child and it's exactly when the Lord promised. But she's, she's beginning to see that, well, maybe God is seeing this different. So, so God is keeping me from having a child. And then this is what, he sa what she says to, his, to, her, what, to her husband. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. 
Why are we waiting so long? Why has God not fulfilled his promise? Maybe there's something we can do to, to get the ball rolling. Maybe we can force, maybe we misunderstood. Maybe what we thought God said, we took it in one way, but maybe God meant it the other way. He didn't say not to do this. Well, he kind of did in the Ten Commandments, but it wasn't specific to this one. And so maybe we can, maybe. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Verse 3. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai's wife took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave him to her, to her husband to be his wife. Verse 4, he slept with Hagar and she conceived. Now friends, before we continue to move on from here, I need you to know one thing. This is not what God had planned for them. This, this is not it. Everything that we just read, all of this understanding of maybe this is what God has for us, all of it is wrong. Every single piece. There's so much wrong about this, it's hard to know where to begin. Seriously, if there was ever a picture of what not to do in any situation, in this area of scripture about sums it up. If you are ever wondering, am I in the will of God? Read this and say, does this look like what I'm thinking? Does this look like what I'm doing? Because you will be wrong. So let's try and unpack this insanity. God tells Abram, I will make you a father of great nations, a huge family that's going to bless and shape the world. And he reiterates this in Genesis 15, saying, look at the stars of the sky. If you could count them, then you would know what your offspring will be. But the weight and the pressure of waiting brings us to Genesis 16. And so as it often does with us, the impatience with the speed at which God brings his promises to fruition clearly begins to set in. And Sarai, her theology about who God is and what God would want begins to change, begins to shift, begins to, I know that this isn't right, but it's the clearest line that I can see to getting what God said he had for me. And instead of waiting on the Lord and resting in the promises he's made, Abram and Sarai takes, take God's promise into their own hands and it makes a big mess. Now, we're not going to talk about all of the mess that was made. If you want to read about that, you can read the next couple chapters in Genesis as things become very, very difficult in the relationship between Abram and Sarai and Hagar and God and it's not good for an Ishmael, their son, the, son, the boy that's born. It, it's all bad. Whenever we try and take God's promises or calling into our own hands, it always leads to problems. But so what I want to do today is not bring us to this point and then leave us here, but I want to talk to us about how we can navigate this time. Maybe the time that you're in right now in your life, maybe the time that you're in right now is a period of waiting where you know God has said this and you know that, that he's going to be faithful, but I'm stuck in the meantime. Maybe it's something humongous like God promised us a family. Or maybe it's something much smaller that you've been praying for. 
but you're in the meantime. You're in this moment where it's like, God has given me this desire. God has spoken me this to me. God has made this promise to me, and I believe he will fulfill it. But right now, I don't know what is happening. And I want to give us a couple questions to ask ourselves, to, to align our lives and our thoughts as perhaps the weight and the pressure of waiting and trusting in God maybe begins to take its toll on you, maybe on your family, maybe on your relationships, maybe on your relationship with God. As we talk about in the meantime, that time between the promise and the fulfillment, here's, here's three questions to ask yourself in the meantime. First question to ask yourself, whose voice am I listening to? Abram thought he was listening to a voice of wisdom when Sarai offered for him to, to sleep with her servant Hagar so they could have fulfilled their promise. As if God needed help keeping God's promise. See, there are, are any number of voices that we can turn to and that we can look for or look to that will tell us all kinds of things about why we haven't seen what God is doing in our lives, what, what we need to do, all kinds of things like that. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe that's why God's promise hasn't been fulfilled. Maybe you're not giving enough money to the church. Maybe there's something that you're doing or not doing that's restricting what God can do in your life. See, this is what Job's friends did when Job was going through one of the most difficult times anyone's ever gone through. They said to him, you know... Maybe God's not doing the things you thought God was going to do because you've got some secret sin in your life. And, and you just need to, to, to be willing to admit the sin in your life. Or you're just not a good enough Christian. You're just not doing the right things. Maybe it's our own voices that we're hearing that are speaking to us. As we walk through these seasons and we start thinking to be shaped by our circumstances rather than our thinking shaping our circumstances. See, Sarai was, her, her journey with this promise and her journey with its fulfillment that was taking place inside her own head changed her theology, changed who she saw God to be, changed what she saw the promises of God to be. And as she walked through this and she was listening to her voice, she began to think, and maybe you've begun to think, maybe, maybe God isn't God the way I thought he was God. Maybe God doesn't want what's best for me. Maybe God doesn't know what's best for me. Maybe, maybe what I think is best for me and what God thinks is best for me, maybe they're different. But who knows me better than me? God doesn't know what's best for me. Maybe what the Bible tells me isn't really what's true. Because it's more complicated than that. There are countless voices that will speak countless things to our hearts. 
to try and cause us to see our lives and our situations in all kinds of ways other than to place our hope and our trust in God and who he is and what he's promised he will do. When we listen to voices other than the Lord's, we will birth Ishmael's instead of Isaac's every single time. The word of God is our guide. The word of God, what God said in his word, it's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so as we walk through life and as other people may be speaking to us and saying, this is what's going on in your life, what does the word of God say? As I may be thinking to myself, maybe this is what's going on in my life. What does the word of God say? Second question to ask yourself, as maybe you're living in this place of waiting. What is God developing inside of me during this season? See, we talk about the word of God is right and true. The word of God is where we understand who God is. And 2 Peter tells us that God is not slow or delayed in keeping his promises. But yet... Abram had to wait 25 years. Now, God's not slow, but it took 25 years. There's not a single person in this room for whom 25 years is not a long time. You know, sometimes, you know, at different stages in your life, you know, oh, you know, it was forever ago. It was two years ago. And people who are further along in life will say, son, you have no idea how short two years is. There, there's nobody here that will say, you know, 25 years, it's not that long. 25 years is a long time. God's not slow in keeping his promises. And then why did Abram have to wait so long? Why wasn't five years enough? Why wasn't 10 years enough? Why wasn't 15 years enough? Surely 20 years. One piece of information I didn't give you at the start of this is that Abram was 75 years, when the, years old when that first promise was made. So waiting 20, you know, it's one thing if God makes you that promise at 10 and then the fulfillment comes at 35. He's already 75 years old when God says, I'm going to give you a family and he's got to wait till he's 100. Nobody here is 100 years old. But there are some folks approaching 75. For those of you, let's, let's, let's just go with, with, let's say 65 and up. If you're 65 years or older here, raise your hand if you want a brand new baby. <laughs> Funnily enough, no one raised their hands. Why did he have to wait so long? What was God doing? Why did it have to be 25 years old or 25 years? What was God doing? What was he looking for? What was he wanting to see in these 25 years? Maybe you're waiting today. And how long have you been waiting? And why hasn't God come through for you yet? Why wasn't yesterday good enough? Or last week? Or last year? Why wasn't the thing that needed to be the thing, the thing yesterday? 
Why am I still waiting? See, God is waiting for things to be what they need to be for his promise to be fulfilled the way that's best. He's waiting for you to become the person you need to be so you can have the spiritual strength and maturity needed to carry the promise he's made for you. He's waiting for the circumstances and life situations to be what they need to be for the fulfillment to be fulfilled the way that it needs to be. See, here, here's something we need to understand. But friends, it's uncomfortable. And it's something you probably don't want to hear. If, if you've been waiting, this is something we need to grab onto, we need to hold onto, and we don't want to hear it. It's the mercy of God that he's not fulfilled certain promises in your life. It's God's mercy that may be seemingly delaying the fulfillment of what you're looking for, praying for, asking for, and dreaming for. Because God knows that premature fulfillment would crush us. We don't want to hear that. We want what we want, and we want it now. But friends, it's God's mercy that's preventing us from getting what we want. And the last question for us today, and this is the biggest one, do you desire the promise more than the promiser? This question is the most important and the most telling of our progress. It reveals our intentions and shows us the change in the deepest parts of our souls, our heart's motive. Do we want God or do we want something and God just serves as the method of delivery? Do we believe that God actually has our best in mind? Do we believe that God is right, that God is true, that whatever God has for me, that's what I want? Even if it's not what I think I want, or does what the gift looks like or doesn't look like, is that going to determine what I think, how I feel about the giver? Do I want what God has for me? Do I want the fulfillment of God the way, uh, the fulfillment of God's promises, the way that God wants to do them? Or do I want what I want and God is accountable to me for that? I'm so grateful for this question because it teaches me to desire the promiser more than the promise. In our age of the immediate, many of us have lost our ability to patiently wait on the Lord. I remember we were, uh, our contract with, with TELUS was, was up for renewal, and so we were looking at internet service providers, and they were trying to talk to me uh, into upgrading our internet to like a gigabyte per second uh, internet speeds and stuff. And I remember the person saying to me, well, don't you get frustrated with how long it takes for your Netflix to load? And I thought, like, it's like two seconds. <laughs> like, yes, I guess it could be faster, but there's not enough time for me to get frustrated. Like, I can't even think the word frustrating before it loads, and I'm only at 150 megabytes per second. I don't need 10 times that speed. 
We, we live in a world where it's like, does it take two seconds? Not fast enough. You need better. But sometimes in life, we say, I can't wait two seconds. And God says, I got 25 years for you. <laughs> that is too slow of Netflix. <laughs> but we, we can lose our ability to understand it. Sometimes in life, we have to wait. God calls us to wait confidently in hope and live in integrity before him. Abram became a great man of faith. And we read about that and scripture will, will say he's, he was a friend of God. But it's not because he did everything right. He struggled and we struggle and we can still be friends of God in the midst of our struggle. It took years of God's work and years of trusting him interspersed with a few spectacular encounters with the Lord and a number of times where he messed up profoundly. But when we have the moment where what we want is the gift and how I feel about the giver will depend on how the gift is brought, we, we've reversed the way things are meant to be. My, my desire, my, my heart needs to be in the place where I'm, I'm truly willing and able to say, God, what you have for me is what I want. And, and I will lay down whatever it is that I think I need, whatever I think I want, and, and trust you. We used to, and maybe one day again we'll sing this song, I surrender all. And it's a wonderful thought. And it's something that we need to strive for. We need to desire the promiser more than the promise. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And verse 13 will say for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you do not fear I will help you we began the service this morning by thanking God for his presence in our lives wherever we're at this morning whether we're celebrating on a mountaintop or we're in the midst of the darkest valley God thank you for your presence and no matter where we are in waiting whether we've just begun to wait whether we're celebrating the testimony of God's goodness or if we're living inside of Genesis chapter 16 inside of our own lives God's promise is you don't have to be afraid because I'm here with you God gives us instructions and assurance that, that when we walk and we wait upon him, we bring to remembrance what the Lord has said to us. Faith is confidence that God will, what God has promised will come to pass. He will bless, multiply, and encourage us today and tomorrow. The word of God is true, and we will see the fulfillment of the word of God in our lives. But how we wait determines our fulfillment. Not whether or not God will be faithful. You know, God was still faithful to Abram. Isaac was still born. We read Genesis chapter 21. It still took place. But the journey to the fulfillment 
And undoubtedly in the moment that Isaac was born, the weight of Ishmael must have been there. Right. This isn't our first, this isn't my first child. God promised he would give me a child. He's here. But I've got a 16-year-old, or I guess a 10-year-old. Right. It won't determine whether or not God fulfills, but how we wait will determine what that fulfillment shapes up to be, what it looks like. Waiting produces strength, gives us heaven's perspective, and replenishes you to have endurance. See, here again is a summing truth for us to understand this morning. God is more interested in who we are becoming while we wait than what we're waiting for. Our heart is what we're waiting for. That's what we want. That's where our eyes are focused. And God says, yeah, but I got so much more for you than that. And I want you to be who I've created you to be. And so we need to have our eyes fixed on the giver, not on the gift. Let's give him something worth watching by waiting properly. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that for all of us gathered here today, God, I thank you that, that we can have the assurance of knowing that no matter how much we're waiting, no matter how much we're waiting for, no matter how much time has passed, God, I thank you that first we can have the confidence and the assurance knowing this morning that we are not alone. That as we look around the room and we see these other people here, we know they're waiting too. And God, I pray that as we've looked at the story of, of Abram's promise and the fulfillment of that promise, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, would you keep us from our Genesis 16 moments? Would you keep our lives from these moments where we will change who we are, where we will change how we see you, where we will change our values, where we will change what it is that we are called and purposed to be in order to seek the gift and not the giver. God, I pray that you would help us today to be able to live with patience to be able to live with grace in our lives, to be able to live with our eyes focused on you and not what maybe you have for us. And God, I pray for each one here living in the meantime, for each one gathered here that, that knows this is what God has for me, but I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. God, would you give them strength? God, as, as we read in Isaiah, would you... Would you Strengthen them. Would you cause them to not be dismayed? Would you uphold them? Would your righteous right hand extend down to them and remove their fear, remove their worry, remove their anxiety, remove the feelings of what if God doesn't and replace them with I believe God will. Would you remove the feeling that says maybe there's something wrong with me and replace it with, I'm going to trust in my God. And God, no matter how long we've been waiting, no matter how long we still have yet to wait, God, may we be a people, the foundation built on stone, built on rock and not on sand. 
God, that the weight and the pressure of waiting and the, 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 the weight of waiting, God, that that wouldn't overwhelm us. It wouldn't become too much, but that we would be able to place our hope and our trust in you. God, we love you. We're so grateful for your presence in our lives. And God, may we never seek the gift at the expense of the giver. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I speak the name of Jesus over you. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name